Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, May 17th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Why we still don't know the origins of COVID-19. Plus, is President Biden trying to do too much, too fast? But first, today's one big thing, a tipping point in the Mideast. We're entering the second week of intense fighting and violence in Israel and Gaza, and hopes for a ceasefire were dashed this weekend. Axios' Barack Ravid is with us from Tel Aviv. Can you tell us what happened this weekend? Can you catch us up on the many different events that went on? Over this weekend, this conflict really engulfed the entire neighborhood, meaning we had demonstrations near the border with Jordan for the first time in years. We had missiles several missiles that were fired from Syria to the Golan Heights. We had uh, a demonstration on the border with Lebanon that uh, resulted with several Hezbollah uh, people that cut the the border fence and entered Israel. Some of them were shot by the Israeli uh, military. We had a flare-up in the West Bank. Ten Palestinians were killed in, in clashes with the Israeli military. We have, you know, the Sheikh Jarrah crisis in East Jerusalem and the intercommunal violence between Jews and Arabs inside Israel. So on top of Gaza, we had all of that. And when it comes to Gaza, in the first several days, there was almost no international pressure to stop the operation. But two incidents over the weekend, I think, changed this trend. The first incident was that 10 Palestinian civilians Two women and eight children were killed in an airstrike in the northern part of Gaza in the Shati uh, refugee camp. The second incident, which got much more uh, attention, even though nobody got killed there, is the bombing of the high-rise building in Gaza that housed the offices of uh, the Associated Press, Al Jazeera, other uh, media uh, outlets. And those two incidents that happened in the same day really changed uh, the trend. We saw the White House giving a very strong statement against this, the bombing of this building. President Biden calling Prime Minister Netanyahu for the second time in a week. Secretary of Defense Austin calling his Israeli counterpart and basically telling him that the U.S. wants to see calm restored. This is a very, let's say, gentle and polite way to say you're running out of time. Do you think this weekend's events were a tipping point? I think so. And I think that since the bombing of this building that housed the AP office, the countdown for the end of the operation started. On Sunday, there was a cabinet meeting, Israeli cabinet meeting, that basically decided that the operation will go on. But many Israeli officials, security officials, and and even cabinet ministers are telling me that they feel that on the one hand, militarily, Israel had a lot of achievements already in this operation. On the other hand, there is growing international pressure and the humanitarian situation in Gaza is deteriorating. There's almost no electricity in Gaza and there are shortages of uh, fuel. The hospitals are jammed. And I think that there is growing understanding within the Israeli government that we should start to push ahead with finding some sort of an exit mechanism out of this uh, conflict. Axios is Barak Ravid from Tel Aviv. Thank you, Barak. Stay safe. Thank you. 
We'll be back in 15 seconds with the race to understand COVID's origins. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. It's been about a year and a half since COVID first took hold. In that time, the world has lost more than 3.3 million people to the virus. But we've also created new vaccines that have brought many nations towards recovery from this pandemic. All of this has happened, and we still don't understand the origins of COVID-19. Axios' future correspondent, Brian Walsh, is here to help answer why that's the case. Brian, can you first just explain why does it matter that we actually find out where COVID-19 originated? It matters because understanding where COVID-19 came from will help us identify what behaviors, what potential viruses, what animals, if it is indeed a natural virus, uh, we have to look out for when it comes to trying to prevent the next pandemic. And what do we know about the origin so far? From the start, the, I think, prevailing assumption was that this is uh, a zoonotic spillover. That means something that originates in animals and then somehow jumps over, mutates to human beings and then spreads among human beings. Increasingly, even mainstream scientists begin to raise questions about the possibility this could actually have come from some kind of experiment in a lab, uh, not on purpose, but something that would create something that can actually infect human beings and somehow escape from that lab. And that would be a very big deal because that would obviously put some an element of responsibility on those who did that work. And it's concerning because that kind of work is being done in a lot of labs around the world. So why is it taking so long to get to the bottom of this? There's a lot of reasons. I mean, I think the biggest one is in the middle of a pandemic, and this is a far more severe outbreak and pandemic than SARS-1 was, you know, there's a limited amount of time and resources people are responding to the virus itself. In all honesty, though, a lot of it does have to do with the fact that the Chinese government and China, where this virus almost certainly originated, has not been very forthcoming at all with any kind of proof or evidence around how it might have originated. And then lastly, frankly, looking at the lab leak idea, virology labs do this work. It's called gain-of-function research, which means tweaking viruses in a way to make them potentially more infectious, presumably to help scientists better understand how they might evolve in the wild, which one could be a threat down the line. A lot of scientists do this work, and if it turns out that someone doing this work accidentally unleashed a virus that's killed millions of people, that would shake science to its core. Axios' future correspondent, Brian Walsh. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. For the past few weeks, President Joe Biden has been traveling around the country trying to sell his multi-trillion dollar jobs plan to Americans. Now, some Democrats and economists are starting to worry that Biden may be doing too much too fast. Hans Nichols has been covering the White House for Axios. Hey, good morning, Hans. Morning. What are people worried about? That simply too much money is going to be coursing through the economy and that it could lead to inflation. You hear this from folks like Larry Summers. To be clear, the former Treasury Secretary thinks that it's mostly the Federal Reserve that should be worried about inflation. But he looks at the size of the stimulus and uh, he's concerned. And what he says is the early data suggests that he was right to be concerned and there's going to be higher inflation faster than he expected. And what's the White House's response to this? 
well that they're monitoring it and no cause for concern just yet. Although there was a sort of a subtle shift at the end of last week, and it's behind this idea of is unemployment insurance, the enhanced benefit, causing Americans to stay out of the workforce? And what the chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, CeCe Rouse, told reporters of the White House was that if you get a job, you're on unemployment, you need to take that job. Now, the problem is they don't have a mechanism in place to force anyone to take a job that's on unemployment insurance. But at least they're starting to acknowledge that that's a possibility, which is a subtle, very subtle shift from the White House. Hans Nichols covers the Biden White House for Axios. Thanks, Hans. Thanks for having me. Before we go, don't forget that today is the last day to file your taxes on time. And if you're still awaiting a federal refund, you're one of millions. You can blame staffing shortages and IRS equipment so outdated that broken printers and photocopiers are causing problems. That's it for us today. You can always send us feedback by emailing podcasts at axios.com, or you can reach out to me directly on Twitter. My handle's Nyla Boodoo. If you want more news before tomorrow, our afternoon podcast is Axios Recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.